Welcome to another episode of our Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ash, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your business. In this episode, I talk to Sardar, Chief Revenue Officer and Managing Partner at Jefton. Sardar is not your typical tech entrepreneur. He is a serial tech entrepreneur with an impressive track record. Sardar's story goes beyond his role at Jafton. He is also an angel investor, backing companies like Fathom, Asset Grow, and Nutra First. His influence extends to prestigious platforms, and he is the youngest member ever of the Forbes Business Council and the first Uzbek to join the Harvard Business Review Advisor Council. He is also an angel investor, a Forbes Business Council member, and a speaker at prestigious events alongside Mark Cuban and others. Originally from Uzbekistan, he is a self-made expert in IT outsourcing and bootstrapping businesses. His topics include tech management, remote team leadership, motivation, and building with minimal funding. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, Sardar, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Nash. Great. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you would like to share with us? Um, yeah, there's probably a few, but if I were to pick one uh, that kind of summarizes, um, it's actually something that's right behind me on my wall right there uh, that says, uh, yeah, I can't really see it, but it says um, easy choices, hard life, hard mm-hmm. choices, easy life, right? Mm-hmm. So that's just how I try to live my life, like as a motto, like, you know, to show that, you know, when you make easy choices, obviously, you know, life gets harder. Yeah, there it is, actually. Uh, there you go. Well, yeah. You can't really see it, but it's, uh, it shows how, like, you see how the the ball is there, the curve thing. That That's yeah. basically like, you know, your hard choices that then, like, create an easy life. And then mm-hmm. the easy choices create the hard life. Right? That's pretty much my uh, go-to quote. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I remember my mom used to say if you if you take pain during the childhood like study hard, etc., your life will be easier later. So something on the lines, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> great exactly. stuff. Great stuff. So so tell us about tell us about Jafton. You know, what does this company do? Who is it for? And what's the main problem you're helping to solve? Sure. Yeah. So we are an agency. We're an uh, IT outsourcing agency. So we specialize in mobile development. People mm-hmm. come to us when they want to build their uh, mobile application, right? So we help them build that. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. So so let's talk. Let's talk about where the story begin. How did you got this idea? Um, were you a key member of the founder um, uh, team, or were you uh, somebody who joined in afterwards? Yep. Yep. So, um, <coughs> apologize. You. Um, thank you. So, uh, yeah, I was actually not the original founder of the company. Uh, mm-hmm. I joined in uh, four and a half years ago um, to kind of help scale the company. So the company has been around for ten years, and then I jumped in four and a half years ago uh, in the sales initially, and then uh, pretty much, um, you know, there's this model to own the company called manage to own, right? Mm-hmm. So you build up your equity through like your sweat equity uh, by putting in your time and effort and achieving certain results within the business. So that was pretty much how I um, came to uh, co-own the company to this day. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, that's interesting. So would you be able to explain a little bit more about this model? Because a lot of our listeners are uh, aspiring founders or they are into accelerator programs and they would love to know and understand how this model works. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, there's two ways to start or get get a company of your own, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one is just to start from scratch, which, you know, you're going against the odds. Whatever your business you're starting, it may be a great idea or bad. Generally, your odds of success are pretty much against you because, you know, 75% of small businesses fail within the first three years, right? That's just stats. And then with startups, it's actually even higher. If you're doing a risky brand new idea startup, actually 90% of startups fail, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you mitigate that risk is, you know, there's this concept that's called the Lindy effect, which means the longer something has been in existence already, Mm -hmm the longer it is likely to exist for even longer from there, right? So mm-hmm. obviously not applicable for perishable goods, but if a company has been around for five years, it is more likely to exist for another five years or more than a company that has not been around at all or has been only around for six months, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just statistics, you know. Um, that's just why you would have to do it. Now, how you do it is... You know, you can either come and purchase equity directly in the company. And Mm -hmm. that one you can also do very flexibly, like through seller financing or things like that. Or you can actually come and say, hey, I will help you manage this company, help you grow this company as a member. Mm -hmm. And then if I achieve X in this business, I will unlock Y Mm. and so on and so on. You know, it's like you have to have that clear agreement right and then let's say on a on a hypothetical example if a company is doing one million dollars in profit every year and you say hey you know what i know how to get you from one million to two million Mm -hmm. right all of a sudden this company will make 2x the profit which means it's twice as, as bigger right then there's spot for another person so you'll say hey if i double your sales you give me 50% equity, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. Then why not? If the company is bigger together, then why not have two owners instead of one, right? But you didn't yeah, yeah. have to do it from scratch. You know, making $1 million from scratch is harder than mm-hmm. to take $1 million company and make it a $2 million company. It's easier, you know? But it's the same thing. You see, in first case, mm-hmm. you're making $1 million. In the second case, you're making $1 million. But the second case is much easier. Much easier. Ah, that's that's really eye-opening because because in the second case, you already have a proven service or product which is already adding value to customers' life. You already have the whole, um, I guess, the supply chain or, or the funnels in place. The things which you have to do is you add a layer on top of whatever their cycle of uh, conversion of making profit is and then yep. bring more business to them. This is really interesting. Is this something which you have done recently with Jafton or have you done it with other companies also? Yeah, I kind of have done it with other company as well previously. So um, I've um, added value to a sport nutrition company and came to co it as well the same way. A uh, mm-hmm. little bit different. I helped to you know cut the cost and like increase the sales. Uh, but more so on the supply side at that time, you know, I um, was, you know, there's a story of like when I was in college, 
I used to uh, run this small logistics company that was not mm -hmm. making too much money, but I had a client that was you know, selling a lot of sport nutrition. And when I realized that his way of sourcing the product was not efficient, he was not buying directly from the brand, but rather from a retailer, I reached out directly to the brand. I found better pricing. I added value and I came to co in the same company, same way, you know? So this is my second story of, uh, you know, getting into business, like without uh, investing my own money. Oh, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah. So it's, so it's, 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 it's a framework you have developed to actually acquire or be a part of big companies without actually investing any money. And, and when it comes to developing their business or business development, how do you figure out? Because, um, running a application or mobile application development company is different than yes. a logistic company, right? So how, how do you do? Uh, look yeah, out? of course it, it depends on exactly. It depends on like, um, what is the most valuable for a company? I mean, for any company at the end of the day, you know, you can talk about the metrics all day. You can talk about MRR charts, right? How the MRR is growing or how user base is growing. But mm. at the end of the day for every business, what is one most important? Um, number what is it mm -hmm. it's it's profit right profit. no matter how much revenue you made no matter how many users you have at the end of the day what matters is what what's the profit or at least what's the projected profit profit potential right so mm -hmm. when you come in and and you're able to clearly increase the profit that's value added right so how you do it can be done in different ways you know for the app development agency i've done it through increasing the sales for the mm -hmm. logistics company, I didn't really increase the sales. I actually cut the cost of goods. You know, that's mm -hmm. also a way of making more money. You know, you could be selling the same amount of items, but making more money from each. If you just, if you're buying this water bottle at $1, now you're buying it at 75 cents. That's 25% more profit. You know, that's pretty much what I did Indeed. with the logistics company because I found a better pricing. I said, okay, let's just buy from here instead of from here. Mm -hmm. And that's how I added value to the business, right? So, yeah. You have to be creative and, and really look into how is this business operating? What is their P&L and why are they spending this much money and not that much? And why are they selling this much and not that much? Right. And then ask yourself, how can I get the sales up? Ideally, you got to do both. Right. How do I get the sales up and how do I get the cost down? Actually, with the app development company within within time, I was able to, um, you know, bring in an idea and technology that actually reduced our costs as well so not only did i increase the, the sales but also was able to help decrease the cost as well within time mm. and and that was my second part of the question like when you want to help someone when you want to help an organization in in order to either you know uh, get them into more profitable or more revenue uh, spectrum or if you want to get them into a shape where they want to uh, invest less, what are the key factors you look for in, into the company portfolio before approaching? Um, obviously, first of all, their PNL statement, right? Uh, the profit and loss, how much are they bringing in? How much are they spending? And mm -hmm. then look into where is that money coming from? First, where's the mm -hmm. revenue coming from? And can I do you know, there's always for, with the let's start with the sales, right? The input, um, the the incoming money, right? Not the one that's being spent. And what do you do there? Like you look at the input and output of that. 
for example, if you're making uh, $500,000 a month sales, then you got to look, okay, what is that? Where's that sales coming from? Right. Mm. Okay. Is it, are we buying leads? Are we generating leads? Okay. How much are we spending on lead generation? Let's say we're spending $10,000. Okay. Mm. Then you ask, okay, if we spent $20,000 and just doubled uh, the amount of leads, would we double the business? Right. Sometimes it's as simple as that. You you look at it and you're like, yes, if I double the amount of leads, I double the business. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it most likely it's not as simple. You'll have to like probably like double the amount of salespeople, increase the salaries, things like that as well. So it's not like super straightforward like that. Mm. But it it can be done, you know, like if you look at it again uh more closely. Uh and then the second part is like you look at what are the expenses, right? Um you look at like, can we cut the expenses if we like what Elon Musk did with Twitter, right? He laid off 80% of people and he's yeah. still achieving actually more results than with 20% of people because it's actually a funny thing. Uh, people on the internet are making joke that he literally took the Pareto principle, the 80-20 and yeah. applied it directly in the business because, you know, as it states, 20% of your efforts give 80% of results, right? he realized, okay, who are the 80% of people that are not really given the result? Let's cut them out mm. <laughs> and, then, and then just leave the 20% that are performing. Uh, I think every large business has some kind of an overhiring issue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or mm-hmm. some sort of inefficiency, whether that's overhiring or overpurchasing or overspending. You know, there's always some expenses that can be cut if you look at it carefully. So... I don't have one set formula, but it's generally this general framework I follow, right? Mm -hmm. Super simple. Like look at incoming money, try to increase that. Look at outgoing money and try to decrease that. Simple as that. Awesome. That's really good. And, and I want to go into your roots, your experiences and other, you know, influences in your uh, circle. But before going into that, once you have set up this um, understanding of, okay, this is the company, I have analyzed their PL, I have analyzed what kind of deficiencies they have, and this is how I can improve it. How do you get your feet into the door? Because that's what's important, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, you can just probably come in to business and just say, hey, I'm going to come and like turn you around. Although that's possible as well. That's not unheard of. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to do now. Actually, um, I'm planning to. We're planning to go and acquire other app development agencies to mm-hmm. roll them up and you know add it to the Jaftum, you know, as a holding. But yeah, I think when you're more experienced, you can actually come in and do that with strangers. But mm-hmm. when you're just starting, you got to do it with your closest people. You got to do it with the people that are around you. Who are your friends and family that run businesses that you know or their friends that they could introduce you to right it the first deal has to go through trust and relationship because both sides can get burned you know if you're not experienced you can get burned if they're not experienced they can get burned so how do you trust those people is is just start it with the people that you already know so for me the first business the sport nutrition he was already my client that I, I trusted and he trusted me. Mm-hmm. We've done like small transactions, but it's already, we have a history, right? We have a yeah. history. Um, it's actually interesting how, you know, one thing can lead to another, like, right? Like I was running a small, very not profitable business, not super profitable. It was very, very little profit. 
-hmm. but then that unlocked me a relationship that led to another profitable business mm -hmm. you know through that right so it can be a gateway but and the same thing with the second business you know uh with the app development agency um my now business partner he was my mentor at the time and just you know helping me with things because i met him through a common introduction through a common friend right mm -hmm. And we were in touch. We were like, you know, always in touch. I was always supporting the relationship because I knew this is a key person for me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say short answer is relationships. Look at your relationships first. Do it mm -hmm. with your close people in your in your network. And then once you become professional and more experienced, then you can do it with strangers and come in and tell them, hey, I'm going to take over your business. And this is my terms. And that can work as well, I think. Indeed, yeah. Relationships are the keys, and what I have learned from um, running some SaaS businesses, and and particularly this podcast from last three 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 seasons, is when you meet people, and and we host like monthly events in London to to meet and meet other entrepreneurs uh, locally available. It's totally different than when you send them an email or you know yeah. just cold marketing out. So it's it's really really important. Okay, great. So. I'm eager to learn more about you, Sarah, the person behind this this um, innovative approach. Can you take us back to your roots? Share some of our some uh, uh, share share with our listeners about your upbringing, your childhood. How did your early experiences shaped your journey and eventually led you to become the visionary entrepreneur today? Sure. Yeah. So I come from. Um you know, family in Uzbekistan. Um, I, I only came to the U.S. nine years ago, so I currently live in Miami, Florida, but I was in, I, I grew up in Uzbekistan, in, in the capital, Tashkent. Mm -hmm. And uh, my parents, my, my mom was at, at the time, she was like stay at home, but she was also helping my, my dad. But he was always, he's always been an entrepreneur. He still is like to this day, uh, you know, and um, that kind of inspired me to, you know, go into business and entrepreneurship because I looked at my dad, you know, he was my like role model and example. Um, and then, yeah, my, my parents always, you know, what I, what I liked about their method of upbringing is they always allowed us like complete freedom almost, you know, like where we could explore and do whatever we want. And there was always like, there was never an objection that, Hey, you got to do become a doctor or you have to become a this, that like they mm -hmm. always gave us full freedom with that which is what I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, my, how I ended up in the U.S. is just, you know, I got a scholarship to attend a private high school here mm -hmm. in Massachusetts. And that's how I came here as a student. And then I stayed here pretty much after college. Awesome. Awesome. What's your favorite place in Miami? Well, I live in Edgewater. I like this place, but I like Brick a little better. Awesome. Um, I've been there once and I love South Beach. It's like the yeah. place for me to sit down, you know, during the sunset and have a beer. It's like the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah South Beach is definitely a great place. It's just like to visit, it's awesome. But to live, it's a yeah. little harder because it's more touristic. I guess, yeah. I guess so. it's, it's, it's a touristic place, place for yes. us, like, yes. you know, travel there. Okay, great stuff. So, so can you can you give us the size of the business, where you are in terms of revenue, number of customers, size of the team in Jefferson? Yeah, sure. So we're currently, uh, like I said, I've been in business for ten years. So we're about 120 people right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
revenue wise not quite ready to open up uh but the, sure. you know if we were to sell we'd probably be valued at you know eight figures right now um so pretty stable revenue growing year over year you know uh probably about at least 50 percent year over year growth mm-hmm. um not as much in headcount anymore we're not over hiring but the revenue is growing you know it, it has ups and downs obviously mm-hmm. but it overall in the longer term chart it's been growing for sure great stuff and could you define your ideal ideal customer profiles for us and um, tell us more about that what kind of customers you work with generally or mostly and then uh, what differentiate your customers with others whom you don't want to work with sure yeah so um Good question. So for us, the ICP right now is probably uh, mid-size business to enterprise size businesses, you know, that uh, ideally they already have a web version of their project and now mm-hmm. they want to build a mobile app mm-hmm. to that. So that's our ideal customer. Like to give an example, one of our customers is a CRM company that has a web-based CRM. Mm-hmm. And they actually want to add a mobile app. They we, and we built the mobile app for them, you know, for their CRM. And now we support them on a monthly basis, you know, for mm-hmm. that contract. So that's like an example of that um, for our ICP. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And and that was like my second uh, question, which was uh, coming, uh, which is like, can you share a compelling case study and you know highlights how? Uh, Jafton or, or an organization use Jafton solution to achieve a success and solve their key business challenge. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's many different case, case studies, but uh, I'll I'll tell you one of my favorite ones. You know, we've uh, built an app called Minect, which is the um, this application that um, connects experts with people mm-hmm. who want to hire them on a per minute basis. Okay, so you can people you can call people through a video call. You can book a video call with them and pay like a lawyer or a business expert or celebrity to speak to them by minute. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, that application recently surpassed hundred thousand downloads. You know, mm-hmm. on track to go over two hundred thousand downloads. Uh, the company came to us originally last year to um, you know solve the problem with the they had with that a company that was not performing so fast you know they were not that good and they wanted to just you know speed it up and and get a better experience so we came in to help them yeah okay great stuff and would you be able to or would you be able to uh, open up to share which technology stacks you guys use normally or generally to develop these apps sure. for your customers yeah yeah we, we focus on flutter we focus mm-hmm. on flutter for regular development and we also do flutter flow which is the low code flutter development solution uh that's right. for the front end for the back end we use uh either dart also flutters language or uh python mainly mm-hmm. uh some projects enterprise projects we use php or java um right. mainly it's python yeah. nothing nothing like the new I mean stack or something like uh, what do you call it um, firebase superbase these oh yeah we, we use firebase yeah quite a bit as well for a lot of our um a lot of our mvp projects we use firebase you know mm-hmm. which is very good for you know building the back end and database yeah 
Okay, great stuff. So, so uh, now I think I think what would add more value to our listeners uh, through this episode is if you could tell us more about how much powerful it is for a business to release an app depending upon their business model and their services uh, whereas comparing compared to just having a web presence because what happens is so we have like four major accelerator programs running in london one is yc london yep. another one is antler another was one is uh, entrepreneurs first and then i think the next one which comes into my mind is barclays funding program now what these accelerator programs do is they they combine founders from different areas or around the areas in uk and europe they invite them for a 12 week program and then out of this program they come up with different ideas and they form teams and these these founders are really really experienced founders either from uh, they are coming from some exits from previous companies or they're coming from some uh, fang companies and they just you know tie the knots and then uh, become the founders yeah. what they lack is to understand how they can go to market and then what kind of technologies or platform they should use in terms of acquiring more customers which is primarily the biggest challenge i guess in in startup world isn't it so according to your experience what is the percentage division between if you have your let's say let's say we niche down to saas platform and it has a web presence and if you wanted to have a app presence on different platforms and how do you tackle that that uh, you know challenge okay yeah so question is like how do we tackle challenge of um transforming like an, a web-based project into an app you're saying yeah and then how does that actually benefit them because a lot of people don't even know that if they have an app yeah how it's going to benefit them. actually yeah my answer is going to be like um the not not like just propagating an app for everybody i will actually tell quite frankly not every single project needs an app you know mm. i think sometimes people actually overestimate the and they don't realize that they can get away with a web app you know web apps are going to be just fine and there's mm. this technology of pwa progressive web applications that are actually pretty good in a lot of cases uh but those who do absolutely need an app are the ones that actually are going to use at least some kind of a hardware or um like the device's own um sensors for example with the crm that we built the mobile app for you know if it was a crm that was only used in an office building then they wouldn't probably need an app they could just get away with the mobile version of the mm -hmm. website but this crm that we were building an app for is actually meant for the offline use meaning mm -hmm. they go it and use it on the field because the crm is meant for um companies that do wholesale wholesale you know right. yeah. and distributing for wholesale right so imagine a distributor on the field that's going and door to door selling door to door right those people they need an app because you know one of the reviews on that app is the this distributor that says hey finally i was able to just take an order while sitting in the client's office without having mm -hmm. my laptop on me you know obviously that increases the sales for their clients and for that crm company it increases their retention rate and their user satisfaction because mm -hmm. the, that user didn't have their laptop on them and now they're still able to use the 
the mobile app, right? And they're able to also use the location on the map and use navigations from the app to go and see their clients, you know? So for that, they absolutely need an app, right? Mm. Um, for some others, you know, that is going to be only, there's going to be only like an office use. Like we did this uh, project called Cost to Serve, which is a very industry specific, uh, like accounting software that helps mm -hmm. you count the number of like units and like calculate the cost. You don't need a mobile app for that because you can get away with the desktop, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so anything that's stationary and the use case is going to be in the office, you don't need an app, but everything else you do need an app. Hmm. And does it also depend upon your approach towards the market, like B2B or B2C? Or it yes. again comes back to the same uh, theory as we explained? Uh, yeah, more like B2B probably needs less apps, but still a lot of B2B still need an app as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So it can't be just categorized by B2B or B2C, but it's more like uh, very case-by-case case, case, by case specific, yeah. Case-by-case case specific. Okay, great stuff. Okay, great. So I would like to take a step back and would like to know more about your personal journey in terms of getting into this company and uh, you know exploring more or unwrapping more about this model you have uh, created. So would you be able to tell us more about how do you... I mean, you know what process to go through in order to figure out which companies you approach in order to um, yep. connect with them and then get inside the door. But what is the step-by-step -step process after you got inside, you follow? Because I am guessing every company has a different structure, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when you say, when you get inside, uh, when you join a company, you're saying, like as a, as a yeah. partner? For um, example, Jefton. What's the yep. process you made, like when you joined in and till this point? Yeah, you have to define your role uh, initially. You know, for me, it was like just joining in sales and growing the sales, right? So mm -hmm. that's the only thing I focused on. It's important to not lose your focus from one position because if you're trying to improve one metric, then mm -hmm. you should all day just work on improving that metric. And for me, that metric was revenue. So I worked all day just to increase the revenue for years and years on end. And I didn't do any project management. I didn't do any operations. I didn't do any HR work. And that was helpful because like, you know, I focused on one thing. So when you're joining a company also, like, you know, it's different when you're taking over the full company. In that case, you might want to hire people that are going to mm -hmm. be in their own roles. But again, when you hire, each employee has to be doing one position and one work. Uh, it's probably also another classic startup mistake that, Startups assign multiple roles to each employee, and that's wrong because yeah. it, it gets them defocused, you know. And when you're joining a company too, you know, you have to look at yourself not just as an owner or as a partner, but also as an employee because you're doing the job too. Mm. And there could have been somebody else instead of you doing that job, right? So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you should apply the same management technique you would apply to an employee, to yourself as well. As if mm -hmm. you're an employee that's working for you, you know, sure. and just have yourself focused. Yeah. Okay. So let's move to the next part then. And maybe it's your secret, uh, you know, recipe, but how do you actually bring more customers or bring more sales to, to the organization? What are the strategies? What are the frameworks you adopt or follow? And what yeah. kind of, um, you know, process you, you, you're, you're into for that? 
Yeah, really depends on industry. But overall, every organization has two types of clients, two types of sales, which is uh, one is inbound, another one is outbound, right? Uh, my strength is more on inbound, so I know how to get inbound leads. Um, and mainly it's a combination of SEO. SEO long-term is always going to work. Whatever business you're in, you need to invest in the SEO, right? Mm. Because people want to discover you online if they type in your services, whatever you're selling, like, you know, tables, or furniture, or TVs. You want to pop up first on Google, okay? And that's Indeed. a long word, yep. Mm. And that's long-term game. In the short-term, you can just do ads like Google ads, you know, that's guaranteed to also bring customers because... If you just run the proper Google ads, people are going to click again. Because again, as long as your service is being searched on the internet, right? Mm. If it's something brand new that nobody is even searching for, then that's a different story, right? Mm. But most likely, if you start a business, then people are searching for it, especially if it's a services business, right? So that those are the two ways to just quickly bring in the, the revenue, especially mm. with Google ads, it's quicker. Um, other than that, you can also like contract out agencies that do lead generation. You know, there's mm. some agencies that I work with still that just sell me the leads. You know, they just sell me leads. And then they schedule the meetings with, you know, my sales team. And they, those salespeople, they just close the deal, right? Again, mm. that also combines hiring the right people, right? If you're not able to hire the people yet, then you can just do the job yourself. Try to close the deals yourself. Take some, you know, courses. But there's mm. companies that will bring you commission-based salespeople, you know, people that are just on the commission. So you mm. have no risk of like paying them a salary. If they don't close the deal, you don't pay them. Right. Yeah. So there's, there's, you know, methods like that, that would just, um, you know, help you um, bring in more sales. Um, you have to master the lead generation. I would recommend one practical book called hundred million dollar leads to everybody mm. by Alex Hormozy. That's a brilliant book. It's so practical. Hermosi mm. built a hundred million dollar empire, and he shares his methods of generating leads. Okay, and then the second book, also called Hundred Million Dollar Offers, then talks about how to actually close those leads mm. um, and how to make the offer so good that people feel stupid saying no. Right? That's exactly wow. how he phrases it. Yeah. I need to add both of them into my reading list. Yeah, these are must reads for everybody who's in sales. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Okay, so. And I'm enjoying this conversation so much that I don't want to end it. But, you know, obviously we are reaching towards the end. So what I would like to know is most of our listeners are, are first-time founders. So um, this is a very big challenge for them to bring in leads. And you, are, you have very well explained that you could do outbound and inbound. But what are your what is your suggestion to a new founder who, who are starting a new agency or a new SaaS startup to bring more inbound leads? Or do you have like a like a pdf book or ebook which you can share with our listeners which list all these agencies which bring you know leads on the commission something like that um yeah there's a couple different resources again depends on the industry right uh we have some exclusive ndas that uh, we'd not be able to disclose mm -hmm. those companies unfortunately but uh um as far as like the, you know if you do the search um what's going to happen is even actually if you don't do the search here's what you can do here's how i found these companies okay mm -hmm. um multiple steps first i when how i learned the sales is actually very simple i didn't know any sales four years ago and i just started 
reverse engineering my competitors' process. Okay, I started calling my competitors, finding out how they're selling to learn how to sell. And then I also started like looking at how they advertise. I would type in like app development services, look at the Google ads and see how my competitors are advertising. And then just pretty much, you know, in some ways, even copy some of the ways they're, they're selling, right? To figure out my own way. You know, there's this book mm-hmm. called Steal Like an Artist that yeah. explains how to, how to like, quote unquote, steal well. Um, it, it's not exactly stealing because you will add your own thing on top of it. Nobody can steal perfectly, right? One pixel to pixel. That's not the way to go. I mean, some people do, but that's the wrong way. You mm. can just get inspired by somebody's work and just like do your own spin on it. That's how I would do it. But also on LinkedIn, be active on LinkedIn. If you want to mm. get your B2B business, especially off the ground, be as active on LinkedIn as possible, meaning mm. not just outbound, but even like just getting your profile set up well. If you Put in on your profile, founder and CEO of XYZ company. I promise you, you'll get so much outreach by these lead generation companies every single day. And what mm-hmm. I would recommend to, to people is, from my experience, the moment you put in founder and CEO of XYZ company on LinkedIn, lead generation companies will reach out to you, but don't fall for those that will ask you for monthly payments. Mm-hmm. Make this kind of a deal with agencies. Um, Actually, I've refined it a little bit after the book of Hormozy, but here's how we, how he does it and how I'm doing it now. Mm. Um, you got to make a deal with Legion companies that you will pay them mm. only factually when they bring in a qualified lead. So you'll mm. pay them per lead. You'll not pay them a monthly retainer. Mm. Okay. And then you can agree also on an um, extra payment that they will teach you how to generate leads as well, the way they're generating, okay? Mm. Like if one agency doesn't agree, another one will agree. But Mm. it's totally okay to ask agencies. You would think, yeah, that's their bread and butter. They're not going to open up their secrets. And you're right. Most companies Mm. will not. But some companies will. Mm. Like I made this uh, agreement, I'll tell you recently. I was talking to this SEO agency and he offered me his services of SEO. Mm. And what I told him is, well, I don't like to outsource, but I will pay you for consulting if you teach my consult if my if you teach my guy how to do what you're doing. I'll pay you extra. So his monthly retainer was five thousand dollars. I'm paying him seven thousand dollars a month instead. But mm. for two thousand dollars extra, he's teaching my internal employee what he, what he's doing. And mm. in three months, we know we can do everything in house. You know. Wow, that that's. That's literally transferring the the knowledge. Yeah, and you would be surprised how people would agree to that if you just make a good deal with them and promise them that you're not going to go into their business because they're in a lead gen business. You're in a different Mm. business. Yeah. If you tell them, hey, I'm going to keep this to myself. I'm not going to sell your services to somebody else. This is just for me. Mm. You know, it's all about how you do structure the deals, right? Mm. Um, But that would be my other recommendation for people. Try to keep as much knowledge in-house as possible. Do not outsource too much because if you keep outsourcing and that agency goes out of business one day, what are you going to do? If you're relying on that agency or business to provide your leads and then they close down, what are you going to do? You have no business then. You know? yeah. If you keep it in-house, then your guys have that knowledge, right? Mm. Interesting. But that, that is... I must say, Sardav, that this is going to be one of the best episodes I've done in season three because a lot of information what you have shared right now 
is what the founders are looking for because they struggle with lead generation with getting inbound leads so i think this is this is gem um so just just before we get into our lightning round the last bit i would like to ask you is you know throughout your experience there must have been valuable lessons learned you know we have gone through all these companies acquisitions and all if you don't mind sharing could you reflect on your experience and tell us about uh, one mistake or a setback you know that you encountered along the way and that you now consider not a regret but but a lessons learned and and what advice would you give our listeners based on this experience yeah um there's been quite a few but if i remember one of the recent ones last year we were growing like crazy mm. and to keep up with the demand we started hiring like crazy as well you know and hiring a lot of people when the things are really good is actually mm. dangerous because actually staffing correctly staffing smart is actually one of the biggest issues in every human related business like you talk to hospital owners they'll tell you the same you talk to mm. agency owners they'll tell you the same problem is sometimes they will overhire and they'll have too much people too many people and then sometimes they'll have not enough people because they 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 don't they have more business than they have people for right yeah so one very practical advice i will give um mm -hmm. what we had to do is you know we had to hire a lot of people when this things were good and then when the sales slowed down a little bit we had to lay people off mm -hmm. now what we do is we don't when the demand goes up we don't necessarily hire new people what we do is we take the additional project but we pay the developers and designers and everybody extra for them to take a second job mm -hmm. after hours inside Jafton. You see? Oh. <laughs> Who doesn't so, want extra money? <laughs> yeah, it's like temporary it's like temporary staffing, you see? Yeah. Um, what happens is you tell them, hey, our sales are up. We don't want to hire additional people. These people are already trained and they know your business better than any new employee would know because new employees, you have to train them, right? These people, you don't have to train them. And exactly. the thing is, most employees, they take second jobs and developers, they take, they take second jobs anyways, right? So why mm. not give them a second job at your own organization, right? Mm. And then if the sales slow down, you don't let people go. You just tell them, hey, now just work less hours, normal hours. Sorry, we have we don't have as much. So then you don't have to lay anybody off, right? There you go. It's like you, you, it's, it's like you have shared two gems today with me, <laughs> with all of us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, it was helpful. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to use that uh, in, in future when I need it. Great stuff. Yeah. Okay, great. So we should wrap up now. Um, awesome. So we're going to go into this lightning round. I've got six quick fire questions for you. So just answer them as quickly as you can. You ready? Sure. That's it. Great. Um, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Persistence. Persistence. I agree. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Fathom AI. Oh, okay. Well, what is it? It's an AI note taker that records all mm -hmm. your calls and also summarizes them. Uh -huh. And then it can also create an email follow-up after the meeting that says, hey, Ash, we talked about this and this and this. This is what mm -hmm. I promised you to send after the call. And, you know, it summarizes everything as if you wrote the email. Wow. Phantom, yeah. Phantom, yeah. It's Phantom, yeah, uh, without the N. 
F A T H O M A I. Yeah, Fathom. Okay, great. What's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had time? Yeah, my uh, one of my ultimate goals is to build a social media platform, but for based on the voice technology, like you know, it's like Twitter for voice, like you're able to post audio clips and things like that. But with mm -hmm. my own spin, like I want to let people use different voices of celebrities and things like that to make a post. So, yeah. Uh -huh. Nice. Nice. Great. What's an interesting or a fun fact about you that most people don't know? Um, tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> I'm pretty open book, actually. So most people probably know a lot of things. Um, sometimes people do get surprised when they learn I'm, I'm an immigrant from Uzbekistan. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, I want to, one day I actually want to build my own farm and grow my own food. Oh, that's, that's interesting. So you're interested <laughs> yeah. in farming also then? Uh, very long term, not right now, but uh, one day, you know, when, I, when I'm uh, more settled and things like that, um, yeah. that's just counterintuitive because you, you think of me as a tech person, but actually yeah. I want to be less techy like that and just do my own farm. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, and, and the last but not least, what's one of the best business advices you have received? One of the best business advisors. Um, there's many, but um, and to name one, probably be hire for attitude, train for skill. Hmm. Hire for attitude, train for skill. Yeah. That's very deep yes. and very, very good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because attitude is something that's irreplaceable, but skills you can always acquire. And acquire. Yeah. True. True. Great stuff. Sado, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story, unpacking the last few years of building the business and some of the ups and downs along the way. And thanks for the golden gems you shared. It was amazing. Of course. Um, yep. If people want to check out Jafton, what, how they do it? What, what's the website? Just how go on jafton.com, uh, J-A-F-T-O-N.com, or mm -hmm. you can um, find me personally on LinkedIn. That's Sardor Akhmedov on LinkedIn. Awesome. Great stuff. Um, so before, before we end this interview, is there any one tip you would like to give our listeners which will change their life? Yeah, I feel like there have been, there have been many different tips. I mean, nothing's going to change our life until they take action. But one thing I would suggest that would apply to everybody and anybody is just build the right set of habits in your life. Um, just the systems, right? Systems that are set of habits. There's this amazing quote by James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, that says, yeah. you don't rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems and that would just apply to everything. And if you actually see my background right now, there's this frame right there. Um, so right there. It's hard yeah. to point for me because it's like, uh, it mirrors, but, uh, you see how that person is falling to their systems. You know, you fall to the level of your systems always, you know, mm. 
Got it. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and impactful work you're doing uh, through Jackson. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on Founders Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Ash. I enjoyed it. Great. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of our SaaS uh, Stories podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Sadar insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews with proven founders and industry experts. Stay inspired, stay motivated and keep building.